Reconstructionist Radio presents A War Room Production Acts to the Root by Bojidar Marinov Where you get a Christian Reconstructionist perspective on the pressing issues of today Alright folks, welcome to Acts to the Root podcast uh, part of the, the War Room Productions I'm Bo Marinov, and this week uh, we're going to be talking about the created nature of man, the individual, and the modern war on self-government. We're going to go into philosophy a little bit and a little bit of history today for the next 30 minutes. Now, with the election campaign going full steam these days, a quote has been dug out of Hillary Clinton's book, It Takes a Village. Uh, a book that was uh, very self-consciously written to oppose the growing popularity of the homeschool movement. Now, what most of us don't realize is that Hillary Clinton didn't write this book to influence conservatives or Christians. She's too smart for deluding herself in such a pathetic way. The book was actually designed to stop the growth of familistic individualism among the leftist voters, believe it or not where many parents who grew up out of the hippie movement of the 1960s and therefore were naturally suspicious of any government started started imitating Christian homeschoolers. It was this trend that was, and still is, alarming for liberal politicians because they know very well the children who grow up as individuals in a home will always be instinctively anti-statist and anti-establishment even if their parents are leftists. Hillary's book was designed to restore the vision of a collectivist society among these leftist parents, a collectivist society based not on voluntary, independent communes, as the hippies were, but based on the coercive and taxing power of the state. The quote said this, I believe the primary role of the state is to teach, train, and raise children. Parents have a secondary role. Now, I haven't read the book, so I can't say whether the quote is is real or not. Um, Now, it certainly sounds like something Hillary Clinton would say or would write. uh, That the love for collectivism, the hatred for individualism and the nuclear families is, of course, a foundational tenet of the political left. I mean, you understand, how do you carry out progressivist statist policies where the state regulates all of life If you have a society of rugged individuals who have learned from their early age to depend entirely on themselves. How do you have these statist policies uh, in in, in an environment of children who never learn to adjust their brains to the collective brain of the herd? Now many people know about the concentration camps in the Soviet Union. What is less known is that the same government agency, the GULAG, which stands for uh, state... Uh, agency for camps also operated children camps and millions of children were sent there for re-education training and brainwashing to be made into brainless cogs of the government machine in fact children were specifically uh, uh, kidnapped from families considered to be politically unreliable and these children were sent to these concentration camps and witnesses say that these camps had inmates sometimes as young as three or four years old and capital punishment was carried out for some who were 12 years old that was officially and unofficially for children much younger in fact there were 
situations where children that wouldn't uh, obey their uh, state masters so would be uh, executed at the age of six. It's the collective that mattered. The individual was just human material, and so uh, uh, all the individuals had to be uh, had to uh, forsake their individuality in favor of the state. Now, keep in mind. If you think that collectivism is only characteristic of the leftist side of the political spectrum, you're not paying attention. Because in the U.S., the right side, okay, the so-called conservatives, whose ideology doesn't go beyond conserving the liberal policies of 20 years ago, are no less collectivist in their mentality than their political buddies, the leftist liberals. Oh yeah, they hate the specific leftist type of collectivism, like welfare, government education, maybe, most of them love it actually, taxes, gun control, but their agenda is not to replace it with individualism and liberty, practical or ideological, only with another form of collectivism. The blind support for the military, for example, the blind support for police is another example, especially against certain groups, you know, because inner city black males are always guilty by default and deserve to be shot or imprisoned no matter what. And because you always obey a cop, whatever that Bill of Rights may say. It's okay to claim it in our favor, but, you know, but normally a cop can, you always obey a cop, even if the Bill of Rights says something else. You know, the fear, the hatred campaigns again against immigrants. All these are examples of right-wing collectivism, of deep hatred for the values of that rugged individualism which characterized the founding of the United States. These are fake conservatives, not real conservatives. These are real collectivists and socialists, for example, who say that the cop can shoot a person with a gun just because the cop felt threatened. In the individualist day, days of America, everyone had a gun and carried it openly. When a conservative politician declares that if elected, who would carpet bomb whole populations and conservatives applaud, we know we have collectivists. And yes, folks, those of us who have uh, military experience, we value it very much, but keep in mind, the military does not produce individualists. Its very mindset is collectivist and socialist, no matter what you may think. And we know it. Those of us who have been through it know it very well. This hatred for individualism and love of collectivism is also obvious in the church. Now, I have heard more than my share of sermons where pastors, even of conservative Bible-believing churches, inveigh against individualism, declaring it to be one of the reasons for the social and moral decline today. Now, this is nonsense, of course. The collectivist Soviet Union prospered. The the individualist early America uh, declined. Modern pulpits in many places have become soapboxes for socialism and collectivism of either variety, leftist or rightist. And all of them not only support, but also encourage and help the celebrity worship cult in today's churches in America, which is a modern American collectivist religion where a person of influence becomes a moral authority above any scrutiny or criticism and subjects to his leading other people through different forms of manipulation. Now, let me make sure we understand each other. Granted, there is a form of individualism that is evil and should be preached against. But that individualism is theological individualism. 
the belief that the demands of the law of God and therefore the redemption of the gospel of Christ apply only to individuals, but cultures, institutions, governments, the economy, business are free of its demands. This is the satanic version of individualism, which frees from the demands of righteousness and justice all institutions of man. And it shrinks the gospel to a few propositions for personal morality only. Culture, government, institutions, economy, business practices, media, science and technology, art, literature, all these areas where man is involved culturally and collectively and corporately must be left morally neutral according to this individualism and not subject to the rule of the kingdom of God. God, this theological individualism declares, never called us to change the culture or bring the culture under the rule of Christ. He only commanded us to be personally and individually righteous. The question is, what about injustice in the culture, on a government and corporate level? That we should leave alone. Now, this theological individualism is evil and should be preached against. But that is not what the vast majority of preachers and churchmen mean. And this is not what the politicians mean. What politician would want to hear, after all, that politics should be subject to the law of God? To the contrary, this very theological individualism is the operational ideology of the modern churches and seminaries. And it is the preferred theology of both left and right. The theology that whatever faith we have should be kept to ourselves. And the culture should be governed according to what the statist elites in Washington, D.C. say. Now, the individualism the statist churchmen speak against is the individualism of self-government, the freedom of the individual to be a morally responsible agent under God and obey or disobey human powers and institutions only based on the law of God and not on any human considerations, agendas, or programs, be it government programs or church programs. The individualism which, by making the individual free to obey God, makes him free, listen to this, to disobey man, and by this makes human powers responsible and diminishes their power from magisterial, that is ruling over other man, to ministerial, that is serving man. Did you hear that? From magisterial to ministerial. It is that same principle that was hinted at in the Declaration of Independence, that governments are only allowed to serve, never to dominate. Let me quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Our modern politics today, whether church or state, is simply a modern version of the older paganism. Now, you keep in mind, the paganism of old, that paganism that ancient Israel had to deal with, and the paganism the early Christianity had to deal with, was collectivist to the core. It had no respect for the individual because it had no definition for the individual, no place for the individual, no use for the individual, no purpose for the individual. The pagan worldview, and therefore the pagan social theory as well, sees the world either as a monolithic unity where no individuality is allowed, or, if there is individuality, it is all melted into a great chain of being from the gods above to the lowest creature below. Imagine just a long chain of being where somebody is at some level, some ring at this, some ring at this um, 
chain somebody's higher somebody's lower the gods are all the way to the top and and you know the the living things uh, the simplest of the living things are all the way down now any in 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 that chain of being the monarch the king the pharaoh the emperor is the mediator between gods and men okay he is the mediator any individual who wants to reach to the gods must be emptied of his own individuality and subject to a king even in republics and democracies like Greece and Rome, a man had to belong to the community if he was to be man at all. The community was his, uh, was his uh, mediator between him and, and gods. Aristotle said man is a social animal and he needs the society. A man who doesn't need the society of other men is either a beast or a god. Real humanity, therefore, is in sacrificing one's individuality and joining and identifying with the collective in everything. Otherwise, you're not a human being. And if you're not a god, obviously you should be a beast. Now, we cannot understand the history of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Rome, the Muslim Caliphate, the Aztec and the Inca empires, the Soviet Union, unless we understand this very fundamental characteristic of all paganism. It is collectivist to the core, and therefore it is statist to the core. It considers the individual to be nothing and treats him like nothing. All that matters in paganism is that central collective of the state that controls everybody, that rules everybody. Nothing else really matters. And if we see a reaction today against the original American reggae individualism in our modern politicians and churchmen, it is because that ancient paganism has been revived in our political arena, and not only there, but also in our pulpits. Always keep this in mind. If we see a reaction against the original American rugged individualism is because the ancient paganism, the ancient collect, the collectivism of the ancient paganism has been revived and not just in our politics, but in our churches as well. Speaking of the most important and novel sociological and legal doctrine Christianity brought into the world, the Canadian historian Charles Norris Cochrane in his book Christianity and Classical Culture, and that is 1940, written, written back in 1940, says of that great theologian of the early church, St. Augustine, that in the Trinity he discovered a fresh foundation for what we have called the values of personality. The personality, the individuality of man, of course, was not discovered with Augustine. Now, 400 years before Augustine, the New Testament clearly established the individual as an independent moral agent, one who is individually responsible to obey God, and therefore individually allowed and even commanded to disobey man when man's agendas and policies disobeyed God. Think about it. Christ came to this earth to give individual salvation to each one of us. It was not the only reason he came to earth, but every one of us, received individual salvation by being directly subject to Christ. That individual salvation of being directly, of, of having a direct access to God was unheard of in the pagan world. It was nothing like this. You only had access to God through some sort of collectivist enterprise, 
through the state or through uh, belonging to some kind of community, normally through the state. And what Christ did is he basically shortcutted the state and he said, no, you have access to God through me directly. Even Paul, in his high authority of an apostle to the Gentiles, when he praises his readers uh, in Corinth for their imitating him and following firmly the traditions he, as an apostle, had delivered to them, uh, you can see this in 1 Corinthians 11.2, immediately continues in the next verse, you have access to God through me, right? No, I was just kidding. This is what he says. I want you to understand, but I want you to understand. After he says, it's great that you follow me, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Paul was the highest authority in the Christian church at the time, and yet that highest authority in the Christian church declared a simple hierarchy which subjects every man directly to Christ, and to no earthly power whatsoever. And it's not just a New Testament thing. The law of God in the Old Testament established a society of self-government of individuals in which there was no central power, no government policies whatsoever. In fact, if anything, it was against such earthly hierarchy. In 1 Samuel 8, God told Samuel they want a king because they don't want me to rule over them. And the prophetic promises of the New Testament uh, in the Old Testament about the New Testament said that uh, uh, no one will have to teach his brother anymore. Hebrews uh, 8.11. It's actually a prophecy taken from Ezekiel 34. Oh, from Jeremiah 34. Those promises in the Old Testament also said about the New Testament the promises that every man will sit under his own grapevine and his own fig tree. Fig tree. Micah uh, 4.4 4 and Zechariah 3.9. Before Augustine developed the doctrine of the Trinity to derive from it our modern individualism, his master and mentor, Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, told the Roman Emperor Theodosius, this was the, the emperor. You don't even have the right to enter a private home without permission. What makes you believe you can enter the house of God? It was in response to a threat by the emperor that he would personally come and seize Ambrose's church. Such talk to an emperor was unknown in the pagan world. But a Christian bishop had to talk this way because his faith told him he had to disobey earthly powers in order to obey God. Now, folks, God doesn't equate power with government. To the contrary, in God's economy, the fundamental and most important level of government is self-government. The individual works to fulfill his purpose in God's plan of dominion and redemption under God. The greater the power, the less government God entrusts to it. The king of the universe, Jesus Christ, came to serve, not to boss people around. And thus gave the ultimate example of godly government. Government must be self-government first and foremost. Because God is glorified not in mighty empires who toss people around and send them to their death or tax them to oblivion. He is glorified in the quote-unquote little people of the everyday individuals, every one of which work on, works on his calling before God. 
Man can be part of the society, but man doesn't have to be part of it in order to be human. Contrary to Aristotle, man can be alone and doesn't have to be, and still, and still can remain a human. As long as he is in his place in God's dominion covenant of subduing the earth to the glory of Christ. And that dominion covenant will be fulfilled by individual self-governing man working under God in covenant with one another and in mutual voluntary submission to one another. And this is what the anti-Christian elites of our day are afraid of. In fact, this is what the anti-Christian elites of any era have been afraid of and have been, and have hated with all their hearts and all their minds and all their policies and regulations and legislations. <clears throat> Self-government plus voluntary mutual submission, even among unbelievers, eventually works for the kingdom of God because there is only one God who can directly and personally lead and guide every single individual through his Holy Spirit without leaving his place as the king of the universe. The political elites can't do it. They can't work through self-government. They have to work through destroying the individuality of man in order to be able to rule. God can rule perfectly effectively through free, independent, self-governing individuals. And the pagan elites of our day know they can't beat that, and they're scared of it. A restoration of our Christian culture will only start with a restoration of the concept of self-government, because it is in the created nature of man to be self-governed and subdue the earth under God. Self-government, of course, is the ethical self-discipline to obey the law of God as individuals. Obviously, it starts with what's inside our hearts and how we apply it to our actions. But not only that, self-government also has the moral courage to stand against the attempts of collectivists and socialists of both sides of the political spectrum and thwart their attempts to subdue our society and us to their ungodly agendas. Self-government as the ethical wisdom when and how to disobey and oppose the powerful of the day when they disobey and oppose Christ. The covenant of God is comprehensive. It includes every single area of life, every individual, every institution and activity of men. But at the center of that covenant... There is no central human institution which subjects people to its will. In, in the center, there are free individuals, self-governing, under Christ, each under his own grapevine and his own fig tree. Self-governing also to the point of knowing exactly when they are supposed to obey human institutions and when they are supposed to disobey them in order to obey God. The original American rugged individualism didn't come out of the blue. It was the product of 17 centuries of development of Christian doctrine and worldview, as well as the teachings of the Reformation and its view of the priestly status of the individual man under God. Our politicians and churchmen today hate it. They hate it because they hate the Christian doctrine and the Christian worldview that created and was at the foundation of that individualism. In order for the modern elites to thwart God's dominion mandate to man, they need to replace it with the state's power domination over man. But a self-governing man under God is not subject to power domination, and this made Christianity dangerous for the Roman Empire, and it is still dangerous 
this true Christianity for the modern pagan tyrants as well. And we folks better keep it dangerous. The book I will recommend this week is Charles Norris's Cochrane's Christianity and Classical Culture. Professor Cochrane shows in great detail how the worldview of the West changed between Augustus and Augustine. He goes into great detail about philosophy and culture, and at times it looks like he has taken too many rabbit trails until the reader realizes that what is revealed to his eyes in this book is a comprehensive picture of the mind of the ancient Roman and how it was changed into the mind of an early Christian. That book is worth your time. Charles Norris's Cochrane, Charles, Charles Norris Cochrane's Christianity and Classical Culture. And don't forget to consider donating to BulgarianReformation.com. There's a mission field out there that still doesn't have all the books we, we all have available in English. A mission field that has proven abundantly fertile, even with the small quantity of seeds we have been able to plant in the last 20 years. Please help us continue to sow and harvest on the mission field of Bulgaria. BulgarianReformation.com This was a Reconstructionist Radio War Room production. Axe to the Root with Bojidar Marinov. Please visit BojidarMarinov.com and ReconstructionistRadio.com forward slash Axe to the Root.